Welcome to another fabulous episode of The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger. Thank you so much for listening. I've been looking at the metrics, and it's really exciting to see a, a growing uh, listener base there. So, so thank you all for tuning in every week and hearing everyone's stories. I really appreciate it. And man, oh man, so many things have been going on since last I spoke to all of you. Uh, one of the biggest things that affects the entire industry is that Blue Sky recently settled during the uh, class action lawsuit going on between all of the major animation studios. Now, this has been going on since 2014. So for those of you who aren't familiar with what's going on, so basically a class action lawsuit was brought against DreamWorks, Pixar, Disney, Sony, and several other of the major animation studios. And what it's about is that allegedly all of the studio heads uh, illegally colluded with each other to suppress wages in order to prevent people from going to, from company to company. So instead of people, for example, working at one company and then getting a higher pay rate at another company and deciding to jump ship and work over there instead, they basically all agreed to suppress wages. That is not legal. That's not what you're allowed to do. And actually, a class action lawsuit was settled in 2010 against the major tech companies, that being Apple, Google, Intuit, etc. And it was found that many of the animation companies were involved as well. And there were several emails going out that were used as evidence that this was happening. So Blue Sky uh, this week announced that they were going to settle, which congratulations, Blue Sky. I'm really happy to hear about that. I'm happy to hear that they agree that, you know what, that wasn't okay and, you know, we're going to take some action to fix that. So it's important as all of us in this industry that we look out for each other. It's important that we get paid what we're worth. And in our interview today with part two of Eric Serter's interview, he talks about this. You need to know your worth. You need to know how much you should be getting paid. You need to know what the industry standard is so that you're not lowballed when you're negotiating your salary. And that's another thing. You need to negotiate your salary. I was actually talking to someone who used to work in production last week, and she was telling me that a lot of people are underpaid because they just don't realize how much they should be getting paid because they don't look it up and they don't negotiate. And that's the reason why we have the Animation Guild. They actually publish that information, and I'll be putting a link to their site on our Facebook and Twitter page. So it's just, you know, important to know what you're worth. As artists, a lot of times we just think, oh, I just want to make art. I don't want to think about money. I don't want to think about business. Don't be that way. It's your livelihood. It matters how much you're paid. You need to be able to support yourself. You need to be able to pay your rent, pay your mortgage, go on vacation, eat healthy food, support your kids, send your kids to college. It matters. So good on you for Blue Sky and more information on this as it occurs. Also, speaking of money, so Women in Animation is offering the Phyllis Craig Scholarship. And Phyllis Craig was one of the founding members of Women in Animation. And this is pretty awesome. They're offering a scholarship and there's basically two requirements for that. The first is that applicants must be full or part-time students enrolled in an accredited college-level animation program in the United States, and you have to be a U.S. citizen or a registered alien. And submissions are being accepted now through the deadline, which is April 29th. I'll have a link again in Facebook and Twitter for that. But this is really good because as all of you, I'm sure, are aware who went to art school, art school is expensive. It is very expensive. So any bit of money that students can get so that they can pay for their education is always appreciated. So thank you, Women in Animation, for offering that scholarship for students. And again, I'll have information on that for all of you. And then also other really exciting things, and the deadline for this is coming up sooner, but Nickelodeon is once again offering their animated shorts program. Now what this is, this is pretty cool. So for the past couple of years, professionals, students, it doesn't matter if you're in school, it doesn't matter if you're a U.S. citizen, it doesn't matter where you live. If you have an idea 
for an animated show. And if you can condense it down into a two to three minute pitch, that means having an animatic, storyboards, a comic book, just something to show them that this could be a two to three minute animated cartoon, Nickelodeon wants to see it. And so what they do is every year people send in their submissions and then the ones that are chosen get made into an animated short. And then from there, they often choose, you know, the ones that they want to turn into fully fledged cartoons that, you know, you can see on Nickelodeon. So this is really cool. So if you've ever had an idea for a show or heck, man, you've got two weeks to do this. If you're thinking, you know what, I could create a two to three minute short. That's a storyboard or an animatic or a comic book or something of that nature. Do it because it can only lead to awesome things. So the deadline for this is April 15th. They have a whole website set up where you can read all the legalese, read all the NDAs, figure out exactly what they're looking for, exactly how you need to submit it. So I'll put that also on the Facebook and Twitter page, but it's pretty rad that they're doing something like this. So get on that because that's going to be really cool. And then also, I'm super excited about this too, the Ratchet and Clank movie is coming out April 29th. For fans of the video game, I know you're really excited. It looks really cool. I just saw the trailer a couple of days ago. It just looks like a really fun movie. And it's really cool because it's actually being created by Rainmaker Entertainment, which is a pretty new player as far as the animated movie game is concerned. And I'm also really excited because the actor playing Ratchet is James Arnold Taylor of Johnny Test fame and also The Flash and Green Arrow. And seriously, you guys need to look up his IMDb page. He's been in almost everything. And then Clank is being played by David Kay, who has also been in almost everything. And the reason why I'm so happy to see them is because, you know, a lot of times with these animated features, you get celebrities. And I'm not bashing celebrities because I like a lot of them. Jack Black as Poe in Kung Fu Panda is awesome. Craig T. Nelson and Helen Hunt as, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Incredible and The Incredibles is awesome. Amy Poehler as Joy in Inside Out is awesome. But all of my favorite actors are voice actors, specifically in animated shows. And I love it when the studios choose professional voice actors to voice characters in feature films and to be the main players in feature films. You really don't see that all that often. The last time that I could think that major players were the stars and features was when they had um, Dee Bradley Baker and Steve Bloom play the lead box trolls in The Box Trolls. So I'm just really excited that Rainmaker decided, you know what, along with all these Hollywood people, you know, all these Hollywood celebrities, we also want to bring in voice actors who are super, super talented. So if for no other reason, you know, if you've never heard of the, you know, video game, if you've never played it, you know, if you're not too familiar with them, you know, with the, the characters here, at least see it for that because you know that it's going to sound great, and judging by the special effects and the animation, it's gonna look great too, and it just looks like a really fun movie. So just wanna let all of you know about that. Also, this week, if you're in LA, Women in Animation on Wednesday night is having a panel on showrunners over at the Animation Guild, and then on Thursday over in Culver City, they're going to be having their monthly mixer, so definitely check out their website for that. And as I mentioned last week, the CTN road trip is happening on Saturday, April 16th. Cal State Fullerton is having their Nickelodeon retrospective on April 16th. And also on April 16th, the New Road School is having their Young Filmmakers panel. And it's going to be featuring many, many stalwarts in the animation community. We're talking Paul Briggs. We're talking Chris Miller. Chris Nee, Trey Parker, Dan Pavenmeyer, Eric Robles, Aliki Theophilopoulos. I'm really looking forward to meeting her because I'm going to tell her I love your work and also ask her how to pronounce her last name so that I stop butchering it. But anyway, the point is, it's going to be pretty fantastic on April 16th. And 
if you play your cards right, there's, I'm sure, a way to be able to go to all three events. It will require a lot of driving, but hey, it's worth it because it's going to have a lot of information all on one day. And also the CTN road trip will also be happening that Sunday, April 17th. So you'll be able to get to see that twice if you so wish. So anyway, there's a lot of great things going on. And I just want to mention too, if you're not in the Los Angeles area, but if there's something really awesome happening in your state or happening in your city or happening in your country, and you want me to mention it, let me know, you know, send me an email, send me a link either on Twitter and Facebook and say, Hey, we're having an animation festival. We're having an animation event. We're having a panel. My school's doing this or our organization's doing this because I would love to publicize it because as I mentioned earlier, when I was checking out the metrics of people that are listening to the show, there are people from all over the world who listen to this program. So I just want you to know that this isn't just a U.S. centric program. For all of you out there who love animation, I'm happy to promote whatever it is that you're doing that you feel like will help the community at large. And speaking of the community at large, I want to give a shout out because I saw that I currently have one listener in the Philippines, one listener in Portugal, one in Algeria, and one in Germany. So thank you to all of you, whoever you are. That's pretty rad. So congratulations for representing your respective countries. It's pretty awesome. So thank you. Make yourselves known if you wish. So thank you for listening. And now without further ado, we present episode seven, part two of the animated journey. It's the second part of our interview with Eric Serta. Eric is a great guy. You're really going to love the second half of this interview. He talks about working with Eric Goldberg, working for DreamWorks, making sure that you're paid what you're worth, and all sorts of other things. So enjoy the second half of the interview, guys. What led you from there, then, to going to work in games? Because I know that, you know, a little bit after that, you went out to San Francisco. So how did you decide, you know what? I'd like to try, you know, I'd like to try mobile games. I want to try something a little different. So games was an interesting thing. Um, games was something that uh, I kind of touched on this a little earlier about like not looking for games originally. I never thought I would work in games. I, I just had not thought that that would be a path for me. And San Francisco especially was a city that I never thought I would live in. I always imagined myself in like Boston or New York or Los Angeles, never San Francisco. But uh, a producer at Cartoon Network by the name of Angie Johnston had uh, worked with me on a, a few commercials, and she just really liked me. And this is back when I was still at Radical Axis. She was at Radical Axis. I was at Radical Axis. We had a really good, you know, working relationship. She was great. Her husband, Mike Johnston, was a senior uh, software engineer, and he got a job offer for a company called Playdom in Los Angeles, or excuse me, in San Francisco. So it's Playdom in San Francisco. And they were a social games company. And, and at the time, this is like 2009, 2000, 2009, Facebook gaming was relatively new and going through the roof. Like jobs were literally falling out of the sky for anyone that could hold a stylist, artist, producers, whatever, what have you. It was just like raining cash and jobs in San Francisco. It, and I'm not kidding. You can ask it. You know, it, it was insane. So her husband, Mike Johnson, you know, and then the producer, Angie, they moved to San Francisco. And because Angie liked me and she always thought I was a, a good animator and she just liked working with me. And for the fact that I, I make it a point to keep in touch with all the people I work with, you know, I, I, even if we don't see each other for the year, at least once a year, I'll send an email saying like, hey, how's it going? Just curious what you've been up to. Here's what I've been up to. Because of that, she remembered me. And she's like, Erica, I, I remember you talking about wanting to move to California. Have you ever considered San Francisco? There are so many jobs here, let me tell you. And it's on the rise. You know, the, the working conditions are great. You, should, you could see what it's like working out here at these startups. And this is like over Christmas, you know, we were starting to talk about this. And I was like, well, I, I, had, not, I had not thought about games and at the time, um, Angela, these these games are not that great looking. <laughs> I was looking at them. I was like, these these are these are kind of boring. They're kind of grindy. They're kind of like I, I just I don't know. But according to Angela, or according to Angie, they were on the rise. The quality was getting bigger. Like they were, they, they, it was a maturing market. 
Um, and I should probably get in on that. And it would be a great way to get to California. I was like, well, it would be a ticket to California. You know, I need to get out there somehow. Um, it'd be good to get a job. It is San Francisco, which is not LA, but we'll see. So yeah, I, so she, she offered to get me in touch with her husband and we had a nice long talk. He looked at my you know resume and my, my demo reel, love what he saw. So he gave it to the, the executive producer at the Playdom San Francisco office in San Francisco. And he loved what he saw. And they were at the time looking for a lead artist slash lead animator for uh, their for their upcoming game on ESPN Sports Bar. So <laughs> they, you know, in January, we have a couple of talks over about two weeks. And, and I have a couple of phone interviews with their, their, their art director and their executive producer. They love my work and we they decide they like to hire me. And then I had to like come up with a number, which let me tell you was probably the hardest thing I had to do because, you know, the cost of living in San Francisco was so astronomically higher than Atlanta. Like I'd had no idea what to ask for salary and, you know, asking people in Los Angeles, whatever. Luckily Mm -hmm. I was able to get a couple of people that would cough up, if not their salary, like their salary ranges and what they thought, you know, would be good. Plus Mike Johnson, God bless that guy. I love the guy to death. Um, he he also gave me some numbers I could work with, which made my mouth drop. I was like, I can't ask for that. That's insane. But I went for it, and they 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 <laughs> they bit. They gave me the salary I asked for it. I just like I was like, oh my god! I was like throwing the phone in the air, I was jumping up and down. I was like, I have you know, because you know, like it was it was I was able to ask for a number that was not just enough to live in San Francisco, but it was enough to enjoy San Francisco as well. Like I wouldn't come here starving. It was a number that reflected sort of like at this point in my career, you know, I'm, I have some experience. I have worked on these things and it was a lead position. So I was, I was getting paid to do lead responsibilities and, you know, that's that. So I moved to San Francisco and I tell them like, you know, they wanted me to hire me immediately. I was like, well, you know, I, (laughs) I need time. I need to like sell everything. So like, you know, for the second time in my life, because the first one was Atlanta, where I drop everything and just start over kind of in a new place. I'm starting over in San Francisco and I tell them I need a month. They give me the month to move out. And I take the time to say goodbye to family, friends, and I sell off everything essentially. And I moved to San Francisco, basically the clothes on my back and whatever I could pack into my little Mazda 3 car. And my sister, because I wanted to take her with mm-hmm. me because I wanted to travel a companion, but I drive across the United States. I decide that at this point, I'm going to do a cross-country drive, and I take like a week and a half to drive, to do it. And we, we, we just have fun along the way. We're dotting through New Orleans and the Grand Canyon and visit family in tech. It's just the most wonderful, magical time driving across the U.S. And, and I end up in San Francisco, fly my sister back, and uh, here I am in San Francisco, California, scared. <laughs> out of my mind because again i'm making this at in my mind gigantic oh, no. salary you know my parents mouth dropped like i'm like how am i going to make this work am i just a fraud you know like what's going again because you, know, you just do this and uh and to, to be honest my first day was really crazy because at that point they played them was in the middle mm-hmm. At, it was like the day of this lawsuit that happened between Zynga and Playdom. And I can talk about this. This is okay. Um, but Playdom was being sued oh. by Zynga. And the game that was going to help on temporarily before Sports Bar was like in a flux. So like I got, I walk oh, no. in and everyone is literally like without jobs. People, games are changing. It was a madhouse. It's almost like being on like the stockroom floor in New York. It was just like flutters of paper and things everywhere. And it was like, is this every day? Is this like what it's like to work in San Francisco in a game studio? I had no idea. So that calmed down. And then three days later, they put me on sports bar and I start that game. And, you know, and that starts my career in San Francisco in games. And uh, it was an interesting time. And then, of course, a few months later in August, Disney, the Walt Disney Company, buys Playdom. And that was one amazing moment in my life when, when that, when they announced that, when they, they told us we were being bought by Disney and I be, officially became through no, through not a lot of, I mean, like, yes, I did the work to get to San Francisco, but like I became a Disney animator. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. Oh, it was a great day. And then shortly thereafter we started working on Disney IP 
which is amazing. Uh, how was that? Just getting to work on characters that you grew up watching and going, I am animating this. What is what is happening? How did this happen? It was it was it was amazing because uh, we were this game didn't see I can't say the name of the game because it never released, unfortunately. But I was working on a, a, a rather large game that, that utilized a lot of Disney IP, um, a lot of their basically all of their classical 2d animated characters were in this game and it was it was amazing so i was getting to work with you know snow white and mickey mouse and donald duck ursula and and a uh, beast bell you know like just winnie the pooh eeyore you know I, I was animating these characters and i was getting like the model sheets and like all these cool color scripts and you know notes from disney feature animation you know, getting to be on the phone with Pixar and like going to their luncheons to talk about like, you know, Woody and how to animate Buzz Lightyear. And oh my God, it was amazing. I was like literally foaming in the mouth because it was, it was crazy. You know, suddenly I was the lead animator on this project, the lead animator on a Disney game. I meant something, you know, I was an important person when we would go to our meetings at Pixar or our meetings at, um, you know, on the phone with Disney feature. It was just I was important. Like I re- felt really important. And I think that helped push my, push me to do the best that I could possibly do. Like at that point, like I just like the, you know, all, all bets are off. I have to be amazing. So I really pushed myself to deliver. Like I, I really pushed myself to study why Disney animation is so great. Why Pixar animation is so great. What, you know, what, what, how are they drawing these characters? Like what, what's the appeal? Like, how do I really not just, recreate this but understand it you know like and i I spent a lot of time going through their films you know talking with the directors the you know to really make sure that i was delivering the best i could possibly do really pushing myself to animate like i'd never animated before and i think it showed because they they you know they really commented on how how pleased they were with the animation (laughs) coming out of the san francisco office and it just, and it, you know, it, I leveled up. <laughs> in a gaming speak, I leveled up. Like I literally leveled my game up and became a better animator. Uh, but not just a better animator, a better manager and a better, um, I guess, you know, pseudo producer director. Because at this point now, I started having to really mentor other animators and, and outsourcing studios who were helping us at the time, give them art direction, animation direction that was, you know, actionable that they could understand and parse. And not just give them a, like a, a paragraph of things they needed to do, but actually look at something and be able to see, you know, like what was, what, what were like the, the three or four largest things to, to, that had to change and, and why. And then, to, and then to find a couple of things that were like smaller and then like a couple of like sexy extras, like time permitting, do this, but this is not important to the, you know, this is not important to the end goal. So ha- to developing, because I was Disney, developing that eye for, prioritizing critique and feedback was, was invaluable. And I learned that because of um, pushing myself at Disney and, you know, them pushing me. That is really good. And what are some of the, you mentioned, you know, upping your game as an animator, and then that also helped you as a lead animator and a manager. How were you able to make that transition from being, you know, an animator to a lead animator? What were some of the things that, you felt that really helped you to get to that point? And then what were some of like, I guess, like the management skills you had to learn to be able to communicate like the vision to other people on your team? Well, I had a lot of good, a lot of good mentors myself. My art directors were, and producers were invaluable at the time. And, and honestly, I was sort of a reluctant leader. I always just wanted to animate and draw, you know, even to this day, I still just kind of want to do that. But I think that people started seeing something in me that I wasn't quite seeing myself. They started seeing, you know, with how I would interact with other animators and, you know, just because I was so passionate about animation and I wanted to talk about animation, I wanted to talk about what was on screen and, and to help, you know, like I see this thing, this could change. Maybe you could try this, whatever people would pick up on that and they would see that. So they started like, kind of pushing me a little more to like, Oh, just, you know, maybe have this, they started giving more responsibilities. 
and I ran with that. Like I was like, okay, you know, this I'm happy that yay, they like me, they like me. But after a while, I started realizing, you know, I'm I'm being pushed towards a leadership position. You know, do I want this? And I started thinking about all the things that I love about animation. And one of them is talking about it. I love talking about animation. And I like talking about like what is good and bad, you know, things that could change. And I like sharing. I like I like mentoring and sharing knowledge. So I guess it was sort of just like this organic kind of thing that happened. You know, I didn't I didn't actively go after a leadership role. I, I you know, think people identified that in me and they offered me ways in which I could do this like on a step-by-step basis. And they, they, they coached me. They would a lot of times see um, some critique that I would give my art director, particularly is like, Eric, this is, this is really wordy feedback. Like I wouldn't know what to do if I read this, it would take me like an hour to parse this and like, you know, really get to the meat of it. It's like, you've got to be concise. You know, you've got to be, you've, you've got to work on like, you know, what you're going to say, you know, and your, and your feedback, so that as you know, people can parse that immediately, people can get it, you know, because, you know, if I see something, I can immediately, you know, feel something, get that feeling and put it into words. And that's, that is really hard. I'm not going to say it's easy, but, um, they just, my, my, my art director, my producers, my leaders, they, they really critiqued me, you know, really, really, really critiqued me hard, fairly and gently, but hard, you know, at the same time. And helped me to sort of develop that language that I could use to to talk about animation and to to to, to, to critique it in a way that uh, meant something to people. So that way, uh, you know, I wouldn't be, <laughs> you know, speaking at you know for a hundred hours. Mm-hmm. Or you know, when you're when you're an artist or an animator being critiqued, the more somebody critiques you, the longer they critique you, the worse you feel. I mean, you kind of feel like you haven't done anything good. So like, I'm trying to like minimize that sort of you know, hovering art director, animation director, like, Hey, you know, this is great. You know, like I, I really like this, this, and this let's, I think this could change that could change. You know, th- those are the two things that are most important. And this is, you know, this is why, because it doesn't fit the character, blah, blah, blah. And this is a little bit off model, change that, change that eyebrow, give this more of an arc, you know, and I would, and I had to draw out my notes and stuff and then, and that'd be done. Um, but that took a while <laughs> and it's only because I was like being like so critiqued and, and, and watched over by some very, very, very good leaders and mentors myself that pushed me there. But it was, like I said, it was kind of an organic thing. I didn't, I didn't set out to be a, a, a leader in my field or, or a manager, but um leader in my field, that sounds so cocky, <laughs> a manager. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it, it happened and I've enjoyed it. You know, it's, it's been, it's been good. And, uh, you know, it, it took a lot of people to kind of get me to where I am, you know, and to help a lot of people made this Eric Serta manager. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So then what led you to being able to work with Eric Goldberg on all of those television spots? So it was because of my work at, it was because of the, the, the leveling up, like I mentioned earlier, like how much I pushed myself and, and, and all the good feedback that I had gotten um, from Disney feature, a, a person, I never actually got to find out who it was. I'm, I'm still, you know, cause like he, I, they won't tell me, but some, somebody at feature animation ended as friends with um, the executive producer at duck studio. And that's Mark Moderna. And they, suggested that, you know, I'd, I'd be contacted because, you know, that was good, you know, so they, they you know, contact this Eric series pretty good. We, we worked with him before on a game in San Francisco, you know, you should talk to him. So because of that referral, you know, because I'd done so good, like Mark contacted me while I was in the middle of another freelance project for a mobile game in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, told me, he's like, Hey, this is Mark Modernap. We've got this project. I don't know if you've heard of this guy, but the, the directing animator is Eric Goldberg. And I don't think I heard much else after that because I almost dropped the, I almost dropped the phone. I've, you know, I of course called Mark Modernak back and, um, Mark's like, Oh yeah, I'm glad you contact. Are you, you know, what's your availability? You know, what, what kind of rate are you seeking? Blah, blah, blah. And, um, send us your reel, you know, so we can talk or anything new that you can show so we can show to Eric Goldberg because Eric Goldberg ultimately had to select and approve any of the new animators. Mark thought I would be good and thought it would be okay, but he wanted to make sure that I get Eric's buy-in. So I sent my stuff in and then the next day, Mark gets back with me that Eric Eric Goldberg gave me the thumbs up. Like he he liked my work. So I was part of the I was part of the team. 
So I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is amazing. And it's funny because I was in the middle of a freelance project with this, on this mobile game and my contract was, was nearing its completion. And they were thinking, um, this is Pocket Gems, the place I was working freelance for. They were thinking they might renew my contract for like another month. Um, but then I walked to the creative director and I told him, well, you know what? I, I, I just, I, I'm actually going to have to end it the end of you know June because in July I'm, I'm going to start something new. I'm not going to renew with Pocket Gems my contract because I'm going to work with Eric Goldberg. Oh my God. And they were happy for me, of course. So, you know, that's, that's how that went. Yeah. In July, I started uh, working Epcot television commercials for the for the, you know, the Epcot Food and Wine Festival, um, which is really popular. So it's, this is the 22nd year they've done that. So, Did you get to go to Epcot? I did not. Uh, I did not. It would have been cool to see it, but I didn't get to go to Epcot for that, no. I um, just worked on the, the, the television commercials, two, two, two spots. So. Hey, but that, that's, a, that's a reward in and of itself. But what was it like getting to work with... Uh... Getting to work with Eric, like, what did you learn from him? Well, let me say it was the highlight of my career. And, you know, I, I've I've always, one of my favorite characters of all time is Jeannie. Um, and I just love the way Eric Goldberg draws. I think his shape language, the way he just prefers, like, I, I just love it. I think it's, it's just beautiful. It flows in, in a way that's so designed and, and, and you know, but yet based in anatomy, because he's such a good, you know, uh, stickler for anatomy. He's amazing. So with him, working with him, like, number one, the man is unbelievably nice. Like, he's the nicest person I think I've ever met. And for any animator that might listen to this and might actually get to see him and is so nervous about walking up and shaking his hand, do it. Because the guy will totally shake your hand. Like, he, he's the most approachable person I think I've ever met. And, and he's so amazing and his fame is so huge and yet he's so approachable. It's just, it's mind boggling. So he, because of that, it made me very relaxed to talk to him, even though it was also a little bit shaking. Like it was a nice experience. He was very, very cool. His feedback is, is, is razor sharp. Like I, you know, like he only gave critiques that, that were actionable and were razor sharp and were spot on. So he really pushed my pose pushing. Like he, we push poses like crazy and he, so the things that he really, that I learned more a lot from him were like, you know, getting, pushing my poses more than I was comfortable with uh, because I'd always kind of like gotten in sort of a little safe range and he just kept pushing me more and more, which is great. So that, that was a nice freeing experience. Secondly, um, his sense of timing was, was amazing. So we had a lot of comments on timing um, with regards to like, you know, overlapping action and, and when, when would be a good time to put in some secondary and how to do that, you know, like arcs were another thing that we talked about a good bit. And just in general, just like character, like mood, you know, really like, you know, coming back from all of the, the technical part of the animation talking about who is this little character, you know, this is like this wily, zany, aged character, like this little taste bud I was working, it was a, a aged old guy taste bud and a new kind of like every man taste bud. And the way I animated them, he wanted to be, he didn't want it generic. He wanted it to be in character. So with Asia, they had to make him, you know, his movements were a little slower, give him a little more weight because, you know, he's, he's, you know, gravity's pulling him down. He's so old, you know, and with the new guy, you know, just, I needed to make sure that they, they, they were, you know, visually different. So it was tough to make sure that I remembered that in all of my motions, you know, even the way I would move their eyebrows was different between Asia and, savory so it was it was a good experience um it was a good team i'm working with duck studios who was who doing the production work for it was was excellent and uh it was crazy to know that this was going to be on national t you know well at least on the eastern seaboard like on television <laughs> directed by eric goldberg i just you know and i think the animations that they ended up getting were, were fantastic like they they look good you know like and it's ah you know, it's, it was so good and one thing I want to touch on with that, and this is another important thing we'll probably touch on, but I was able to also help another friend of mine get on the project, uh, Joanna Davidovich, amazing, amazing, amazing 2D animator um, based in, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. 
I, 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 they were look, Duck was looking for a, at least another animator or two for the Epcot spots, and I recommended her. I was like, you know what? I've worked with her before. She's amazing. You must get her. And, of course, Eric Goldberg knew about her because he had seen her short film, um, Ragtime. So it <laughs> it was – it was so great to like get her, get her on that, you know, to, to, to sort of like remember, you know, past colleagues and people that I know are really good, but also like, you know, sort of extending goodwill out to the animation world, the animation community. That's something that I think is really important for all of us to do as animators is to remember, you know, remember people to share and to help each other because it only like comes back to you, right? It's all, it's all good karma and good juju. <laughs> Um, and it is, and, 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 you know, I got, I was able to get her on the project and that, that was amazing to be able to do that, you know, for someone else to to like, Hey, here's this really cool thing. It's Eric Goldberg. Are you at all available? Of course she dropped everything. She's like, are you kidding me? Like glasses are shattering. Like, you know, of course I'll do it, you know? And, you know, so like, and, and, and that's, that's sort of like, you know, going back to like freelancing, that's also how freelancing works, right? You know, it's all about connections and networking, being cool with your people, you know, if you work well with people, you like people, try to work with them on projects. You know, it just it just kind of goes back and forth and, you know, networking happens. You meet new people. Good things come to you when you're doing cool things for people. So um, it's really important. Sounds good. Yeah. So just do good work, learn from people, be cool. And I like what you said, too, about being able to take critiques, because that's a really difficult thing sometimes to be able to to hear what they're saying and not take it you know, as a personal affront, but just know they're telling you this so that you can improve your work and just improve the show or the game or the commercial or whatever it is that you're working on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we all get lazy, you know, we all get lazy and it's really easy to fall into a cliche, right? I mean, like cliche is easy to do if you're animating, you're like, I don't know, I'm just gonna do this. And you just start animating this way and you spend too much time doing that and it's cliche and boring. And of course, that's exactly the stuff that any good animation director will immediately you know, <laughs> bump up against. And that was what Eric Goldberg was bumping up against. I was, yeah. I would do something that was just kind of boring or, or too easy. And he's, no, I don't like that. You know, um, don't do that. <laughs> but he was really nice about his critiques too. He's very, very nice with. But he was also very clear about like what was wrong. And yeah, I didn't take it. I didn't take it as a not. I think his first negative comment, I took a little sourly. I think I, I did. It's like, oh god, is Eric Goldberg doesn't like me all. But um, but you get over mm-hmm. that. You you have to develop a thicker skin. You should, you know, learn how to take critiques because if you if you if you do the whole like you know, oh nobody likes me, this is awful, then you don't learn anything. And the whole point of critique is to learn and get better. So it's just being open to that critique, open to learning, always always being open to learning. And you know, any little tidbit you get from anyone is is, is gold. You know. So, so yeah, that was, uh, but you know, the nice thing too, is like, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but luckily I guess I, I didn't get critiqued. I didn't have to do a lot of rework with Eric Goldberg. I think we were able to like understand, or I was able to understand what he wanted to do with the project. Yeah. So I, I luckily didn't get like a crap ton of notes, you know, like I, I did get some pretty major notes, but, but not anything that was like, you know game changing on the stay up all night. Like he overall we had I think we worked well together and you know I, I was able to deliver, you know, his vision, um, which is a huge pat on the back for me. Cause it's like I can't believe like he's not giving me a hundred thousand notes. <laughs> like he likes it. Like he liked it. He liked my expressions and he liked my lip sync and you know he uh and you know I, I can't, that's awesome. I'm so proud of that. You know, it was a really it was a crowning achievement for me that this animator, this Eric Goldberg was liking my animation, like really liking it and wanting to it, to use it as an example of like, hey, other animators, look what he's doing here. Try to get a little bit of that in your work. And it was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so that was good. That was excellent. And then I know that you're freelancing now and you're always working on different projects, but what are some personal, Are you are you working on any personal projects right now or do you have any like, future plans for just things that you want to do on your own? Actually I do. So the interesting thing with freelance is uh, freelance can be like a feast or famine kind of thing. So up until recently I've been sort of like, you know, feasting and and grabbing all the freelance I could, all the cool projects. Um, But this year, uh, one of the resolutions I've done is like, I want to 
do more 3D character animation pieces. I, uh, I started uh, last year, I took a, a, a wonderful animation course with Anim Squad taught by a, a Marlon Pro. I mean, excuse me, Marlon Noe. Sorry, Marlon Pro. Marlon Noe, and, and uh, a Disney animator, and he had worked on um, Big Hero 6. Yeah, that's one of, his, one of his awesome videos, but or movies, but it was a wonderful 3D character animation class online that I had taken. It was a, a 12 weeks class, and I learned a lot, and I want to uh, take what I learned there and continue that this year. Um, I, I'm sort of, I'm at that point in my career where I'm not sure if I want to continue to do 2D or if I'd like to really go after 3D character animation for like film or television. Like I, I'm sort of like, it's it's new and it's a, a new risk in my life, and I think risk can be really good. Risk and ambition is awesome. So that's something I think I'll be working hard on this year is making sure that my freelance opportunities allow me time to also work on my own personal pieces. So yeah, act, some acting shorts. I might even like look into like some improv acting classes around San Francisco just to get just more you know experience in acting, which. Uh, I think we all as animators could, could use more of more improv, more acting. So that'll be the stuff I'm working on this year would be you know, more, more 3d, <laughs> more 3d character. That's cool. Just like doing some different things. And with that also, like, since you've been in the industry now for a while, you've gotten to work on a wide variety of projects, different people and different cities. What are some changes or some things that you would like to see in the animation industry like where do you see it going and are there like certain stories you would like them to tell or different directions that you'd like it to go ah that's a good question that's a tough one too i think i think i would like to see more I would like to see more of 2D's presence in, in 3D. 3D right now is, is 3D continues to be the darling of, of the animation world. And um, luckily at this point, we're no longer interested in, you know, 3D for 3D's sake. Like it's no longer like, oh, it's 3D. Like now there has to be more substance. However, it's still the darling. I'd like to see more 2D's influence as far as like hybrids, you know, like I think uh, Disney's short Paper Man was an excellent example of the hybrid marriage a wonderful, wonderful, complex hybrid of 2D and 3D animation, how the two are still very relevant and can and can actually work together, right? I think there's a lot of people that think, I've met a lot of people that still think that, you know, 3D, there's no place for 2D in the 3D world or like they don't marry, they don't marry well. They can, they totally can. And one of the things that's so interesting is uh, the technology behind Paper Man, the technology for putting, actually putting these, these draw lines onto the 3D geometry I want to see more of that. I want to see more of the tech industry coming in and making tools for 2D animation, making it more digital, you know, making it easier and more cost effective to, to create and putting the power and making it cheaper, just like dispersing it as like, you know, like freeware or something. I'd love to see more people getting their, getting their hands on 2D animation or 3D mm -hmm. animation and marrying them. So, and also style, like, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't comment on the movie too much, but I will say like style wise, the new Peanuts movie, the way that was animated, it was so faithful to like a, a, a like a 2D style film almost, but it was 3D. Like I just love the the, the, the the style of that, you know? So I think, I think seeing different styles of animation, even in a 3D world would be good. I think it would, beho would behoove us, you know? So like, you know, anything like the, the Peanuts movie, um, Hotel Transylvania, a wonderful film. Like the, you know, really fun story. Love the way it was animated. So so posed, pose so wonderful. I'd like to see more of that. I think, uh, you know, hyper real photo real is great. But uh, I, what I love about animation is not the hyper real necessarily. Like you know, like how wonderfully lifelike I move my fingers, but like exaggeration. I want to see exaggeration and 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 just you know fun and and be beautiful things that are not necessarily photo real so i just like to see more of that you know i'd like to see it in movies i'd like to see more you know commercials on television i'd like to see more more television shows animated and i think i think we're heading there they're definitely you know with uh, particularly with with new formats like netflix and hulu amazon all getting into the you know, streaming world we're starting to see more more animated content out there and luckily 
Um, a lot of it's being, some of it's being produced in the States, which is great. You know, so I'd like to, to see more of that as well. Excellent. Very good. And I wanted to ask you too, because I realized I didn't get to ask you before, but you freelance for DreamWorks. We didn't even touch on that yet. So can you tell us a little more about that? <laughs> I did. I did. I can. So, so uh, IKEA contacted DreamWorks um, last year because they are revamping their children's play place um, worldwide, and it's uh, they're doing it for what they call Lot Joe. It's this this fictitious world that's all about fun and play, focusing on play. And they came to DreamWorks because DreamWorks is is really good and really creative, and uh, they wanted to do a series of shorts and. Um, bumpers and whatnot for these characters that would appear on television, play in the stores, broadcast on YouTube, attached to websites as banner ads for these cool little characters. So like one of the animators, the the lead animator in the project for the IKEA DreamWorks um, project contacted me because we had worked together on the Goldberg P project. Yeah. So he, he remembers like, he was like, Oh, Eric's pretty good. Like we should contact him. So at the end of the Goldberg project, Scott Graham is his name. Scott Graham reached out to me via email and asked me if I was had any availability because he had this other thing coming down the line DreamWorks. I was like, of course, yes. Yeah, of course I have availability. So that's how that happened. You know, it was because I'd worked on the Goldberg project, you know, one thing led to another and I was able to get onto the DreamWorks project. They liked my reel, you know, so they, they accepted me and I worked on that. So it was interesting because this was being done in Toon Boom Harmony, the DreamWorks project, which was a program that I had used off and on for a few years. So I was, a little, I was you know, familiar enough with it to, to produce, but it was still like kind of a learning curve. I had to you know, at this point, learned some pretty interesting compositing things and, and like net, node networks. And uh, that was tough. But luckily, Scott, uh, Scott Graham was really patient with me and, and taught me a lot about um, mm-hmm. using Harmony for production and 2D. And I love the program. If, if you're, you and your other animators have a chance, you should definitely try Toon Boom Harmony. It's, it's just amazing, amazing animation software package. It is fun. Like I think uh, Joe, uh, Joe Vance was the art director on this stuff and he he just his designs are crazy good like the color palettes the shape language they're just so aesthetically pleasing and scott graham is a really good animator too i just i thought that their boards were fun like they were having me laughing they would send me the storyboards i was sitting here just laughing and laughing at how amazing these things were and how just just goofy and like just crazy kooky just fun fun um the style itself was supposed to be kind of a flat uh, kind of a pose to pose sort of um, animation style. I, I just, I just loved it. I loved having fun on, you know, having, or I loved uh-huh. animating on the, the project. In particular, one of my favorite things is I worked on one called Ernst meets Esther. And it was this flightless Eagle that's scared of height or not flightless, but he's just scared of heights. And he, his, his little character that he gets paired with is this little egg, a little baby egg. Who's just fearless, you know, just fearless egg. And he was supposed to get, you know, Mm-hmm. through no fault of his own you'll see you probably we can share the links later but, but his nest grows into it he spills some water on the no, excuse me Ernst spills some water on the ground near his nest his nest grows up into a huge tree now he's up and high in the air and a stork flies by the egg gets you know popped into the nest and you know they're he's trying to balance and oh my god you know and but I had so much fun working on this because I had to animate this character like scared and freaked out and angry, you know, and changing his mind and, and becoming okay with things. And just this one moment that I just loved animating was just like he had to hug the little the little egg. And I just, I don't know, like I have a little nephew, a little baby mm-hmm. nephew now. And I was kind of thinking about like how I would hold this precious, like <laughs> just fragile new person that doesn't know anything you know doesn't even know how scary everything the world's a very scary place and just to kind of you just want to protect and just you just want to get around so i just i had that image and those feelings when i was animating ernst the eagle just just hugging me you know just just nurturing and i just oh my god i just love working on that that part of the 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 project because i hadn't really up until this point hadn't really gotten to animate anything that had a moment like a special little moment where you sort of change and you, you, you kind of let go and you, you, you just feel, you know, 
and I think that was one of the best things about working on the, the DreamWorks project is I got to work on something I'd never done before and really just get into a moment. That's what it's all about. You know, it's those moments in time and just really getting to do something that means something to people. And like you said, bring in your own personal experience too. And that's important. I think that's, I feel like that's what all artists do on some level, whether they're conscious of it or not, is they're bringing in their personal experiences and things that they've felt and seen. And it just permeates through. You do. It does. It really does. I I bring a lot to it when, when I'm animating, uh, you know, I try to think about people in my life, you know, people I've been close to, uh, you know, what makes them tick, what makes them who they are, you know, their, their, their flaws, their strengths, everything. And you use that in your work, myself included, you know, like, well, what makes, what are my flaws? What are my fears? What are my um, joys? You know, I bring all of that um, when I, when I do animate, you have to, because it makes it more real, you know, it makes it more acceptable because, um, you would hope that what you're animating people would identify with on some level because they might know someone like that or they themselves feel that way. That is great. So Eric, you've given a lot of, you know, I love your stories. And this is one of the reasons I love doing the podcast is you just learn so much from people and just their background and their experience and what's going on. And I mean, this has been fantastic. So is there anything else you feel like you've touched on it very well, but that you think like freelancers should know or <laughs> students or anyone just wanting to get in like any other bits of advice that you just have for people that want to do what you do? Sure. Um, I think, well, I know when, the, like as a student, I think, uh, you know, trying to uh, learn, learn how to research, I guess, is, I don't know, that, that sounds kind of silly, but being able to find the information you seek, I think is really important and being diligent with it. You know, like I think a lot of my successes came with me being diligent and researching through, through all avenues I knew at the time, you know, like I had the internet, I had phone books, I had, I went to the library, anything I could get my hands on to give me information on what it's like to work in the industry. What is it like to live? You know, the, what are, you know, cost of living differences, you know, like San Francisco versus Atlanta versus, you know, my small town in Aiken, South Carolina, you know, what does it take to, to get there? You know, I think, um, just, uh, researching as much as you can, you know, definitely do what you can to find out salary ranges because my God, I think it hurts us all when we students, you know, like they, they come out of school or whatever, and they work for too cheaply. I think it hurts the industry, you know, I think, and I think it's just a factor of just not knowing what to charge, not knowing what you're worth. So do what you can to find out what your work is worth, you know, find out what the going rates are, find out what salaries are and animators that are, uh, more seasoned, you know, if you're listening, like give this information out freely, you know, I mean, like if you, if you feel comfortable enough, give your salary. It's, it helps. It helps us all to be more open and more transparent because I think at times the animation industry can be not so transparent and it should be. So um, that's something I'd like to call for all of us to do is be a little more transparent. And I think as far as freelance goes, uh, if you're a student, you know, like be realistic, you know, there's a lot of like, sex appeal or whatever to you know being a freelancer it's cool you can vacation whenever you want or you know you can sleep in and work all day or whatever you do but there's a lot of work involved too and you're not just working you're also your own advertising agents you know you have to learn how to advertise yourself and promote and go to you know big functions and and get your name out there so there's i think reaching out to mentors and people that have done it before is really important. Talk to your professors, talk to, you know, individuals, if you can learn how to learn what it takes to really promote yourself, you know, learn, learn the costs of, of these things. Um, learn about taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a, that's a fun one. (laughs) And, you know, yeah, just, just really learn how to, you know, learn how to really make your rate work for you. You know, like I think, you know, and and then sticking by, you know, learning how to know that, you know, like this is what I need to live. You know, if I ask for anything less than this, I'm going to really hurt myself. You know, I, I didn't do enough of that earlier and I think it hurt me. So I think, um, learning how to not make those mistakes, you know, learning what to charge is really important. And for God's sakes, just don't give up. Um, it takes, 
you know, I was lucky for some things. I mean, I was, I've been lucky as insofar as that, um, the people I met early on at radical, like that has helped me for the rest of my life. Like it, all of these people, I know the, con- the, the contacts, the friends I've made, they have brought jobs to me. All of the freelancing, I, the freelancing I did this year was because of largely because of other people that knew me and referred me, you know, so I didn't have to search a lot. That's not always the case. I'm actually very lucky because a lot of freelancers have to search a lot for work, but just, you know, network like crazy. Don't be a jerk, you know, put yourself out there and, and just don't give up, you know, because it's, it's really true when people talk about, you know, things that are worth having take some, some pain. Right. You know, I think, I think it's true. You know, like I think we all go, we'll go through a little bit of pain and persevering. So that way, when we do get these, the riches or whatever of, uh, you know, your life, your career, um, making it, it'll be really sweet and really, really worth it. But, uh, don't give up. And I think the other thing that's nice to know, and this is also true with something that's uh, valid is some people aren't cut out for animation. And I think, I think that's also a really valid point to, to, to cover is like, you might really, you might love it as like a hobby. You know, you might ultimately love it as a hobby, but you may not be cut out for it as a career. And that's sort of a delicate thing to consider, but it's also like, you know, it's something that you, 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 it's very personal and you, you'll answer that for yourself, but you won't know that unless you really, really try hard, you know, and, and don't give up. But there does come a point where you do say like, you can say like, well, this is either for me or it's not for me. You know, and for me, like I said earlier, like I had a thirst and a fire and I was starving for it. And I think if you don't have like this, a big thirst and you're not starving for it, you're just kind of like, yeah, I like it, you know, well, you know, it may not be for you, you know, and it's kind of important to be able to, to recognize that. I think it's a very adult thing to be able to say to yourself, but overall, it's a lot of work, persevere, don't be a jerk, network, 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 and find out everything you can about the animation industry. There's a lot of resources out there and, you know, there's a lot of people to talk to. So, That is excellent advice. That is, thank you so much, Eric. That's really good. So where can people find you online? Okay. Well, I've got a certified Eric at squarespace.com. That's my main portfolio website that you can find me at. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, my, por- my profile and some of my work is there. Um, those are, yeah, that's basically the best way to find me. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me today. It's been great interviewing you and getting to hear your story and how you got your start and what you do. So thank you very much, Eric. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And that concludes part two, episode seven of the Eric Serta interview. Thanks again to Eric for being such a delightful guest. And I'll be leaving a link to his portfolio in the show notes and also on the website so that you can check out all of his work and drop him a line, say hi, tell him how much you appreciate him coming on the show. And thank you all for listening. And if you enjoyed today's interview, please leave a five-star review in iTunes. Say how much you like the show. The more reviews we have, the more the show is going to gain in the ratings so that more and more people can find out that it exists. And because of all of your subscriber downloads and all of your kind words, it's actually pushed the show into the new and noteworthy section of iTunes, which can be pretty hard to get into. So thank you all for that. I really appreciate it. Also, if you'd like to support the show, if you visit the website, which is www.theanimatedjourney.com, on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see a donate button for PayPal. If you'd like to donate to the show, help keep the lights on, help keep everything running, I'd greatly appreciate that. Also, you can support our sponsors. We now have three. We've got uh, Amazon.com, Audible.com, and Blueberry, which is the web host provider for the podcast. So if you're interested, you can click on those links, make your purchases there, and then a little bit of money comes back to the show. Also, if you'd like to see what else is going on with the show, you can check out our Twitter page at AnimJourney and also Instagram at AnimJourney. And you can check out the Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash TheAnimatedJourney. And if you're interested in seeing what I've been up to, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at SketchySoul. And then on Instagram, I'm at Sketchy underscore Soul. 
You can check out my online portfolio by visiting www.sketchysoul.com and you can check out my Tumblr, which is www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com. So thanks again for everyone who listened. I really appreciate it. Thank you for all your kind words. And until next time, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. Bye.